Hi, I'm Tim. This is We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit. I think one of the best ways for each of us to grow as people is by learning from each other. If you enjoy today's episode, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever app you're listening from. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, we're focusing on one of the life lessons I've learned from the conversations with people I've had on this podcast so far. That lesson is being willing to ask for help and being willing to accept that help. This is something I've struggled with probably all my life. I love to help others. I really do, regardless of what I get in return. Uh, I love to do whatever I can to use my talents, skills, connections, whatever, just to help them in whatever way they need. But I don't naturally ask for help. I've always been an independent person who traditionally hasn't wanted to ever really depend on others. In 2019, last year, I needed to ask for help. As my ex and I entered a trial separation and eventually a very amicable divorce, I needed to lean on the support of my family more than ever before in my life. They let me stay at their home during the separation and after their divorce, they now help with our two kids in a million ways, uh, like watching them after school. I spoke with Laura Savage previously on this podcast. She's an actress, singer, dancer, and gymnast. Two years ago, she tore her ACL during a performance of Newsies, and she thought her career was over. Her description of how she realized she needed to ask for help really resonates with me. I'll let Laura explain more. Uh, I have always been the person that is fine. I'm fine. How are you, Laura? I'm fine. You sure? Yeah, I'm fine. Because for me, it was like, I got this. Whatever problems I have, I don't need any help. I got it. I'm fine. I'll handle it on my own. And this is a problem I could not handle on my own. Obviously, I had to have, you know, surgeons and doctors and physical therapists and friends and family to rely on. Um, After my surgery, they gave me this, it's called a game ready machine. Essentially, it's like a big tube uh, like a sleeve for your leg and that's hooked up to a tube with like an ice bucket and that runs. And so it pumps ice cold water. So it's icing your leg while also doing compression every 20 minutes. And so you have to be attached to that pretty much for a week straight. And, uh, you have to refill that ice bucket every like three hours, you know? And so I couldn't get up and hobble to, the fridge, you know, in the next room to get more ice. So I had to depend on other people, um, which that in of itself is so, uh, so vulnerable for most people, especially for me, though, just because I've always been, I'm the giver, I'm the helper, I will do things for others, I don't need anyone to do anything for me. So this is a major <laughs> flip in my world. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it just clicked for me, there was something When I was reading that article um, from the photographer where I kind of read about your story here about the ACL tearing, there was something that like drew me to that story. And and now I know what it is that you just described me like that's exactly who I am as well. I am someone who was always the person who, you know, I like to say I was independent. I didn't need help. I love to help others. I I may still love to help others, but um, 
the giver didn't need help. You know, I don't, I don't need your support. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just the way you said that, I'm fine. I'm like, oh my God, that's me. Um, and then, you know, so yeah, I had a torn meniscus and that well, twice now, but the first time was both times weren't terrible. Um, but so, um, you know, the past, over the past year, basically, um, my, well, now ex-wife and I got separated and then divorced. And that happened earlier this year. And, you know, it, that was the moment where just like you had that revelation of like, wait a second, I need the support of others right now. I felt that too. And I, I, I see now why I was so drawn to your story is like you just described a, how I felt and who I was, and then B, kind of that same transformation of like, wait a second, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say I need help. And actually, I'm not weak if I say that. Exactly. And Tim, you're going to think I'm crazy and making it up, but you and I are meant to be having this conversation right now because my knee surgery and tear I firmly believe was the universe saying you need to sit down and reevaluate your life because I actually have just been recently going through um, the process of being divorced as well. So it's just kind of funny that you felt like my story resonated with you, which I don't even think I talked about my divorce in that article, in that blog, but um, there were definitely underlying tones to the the piece talking about how, um, you know, you realize that you just have to sit back and reevaluate and, you know, when you're injured and when you need the most help is when you really find out who's there for you, you know, and uh, it, that's, that's hard. It's that um, my mother's a, a, a marriage and family therapist, <laughs> and she likes to talk about um, kids. The big question um, for kids is, um, are you there for me? And it's actually a question we continue not realizing, but we continue asking throughout our entire lives is, are you there for me? Are you there for me? And then these very traumatic moments, we are asking that, are you there for me? You know, and you really find out who is and, and who isn't. So. I love that. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, we are always asking, are you there for me? Whether we realize it or not. Oh yeah. We could sit here and put on a beautiful facade of I'm fine. I don't need you to be there for me, but that's just a stifling the small child or person inside who is saying, no, but actually I do need someone there for me, but we're overloading it, you know, and pushing them down and saying, I have to be here for everyone else. You don't get to ask because we're doing for others. So why is it that we have such a hard time allowing others to do for us? And that's what vulnerable is, you know, you have to be vulnerable in order to accept help. Absolutely. That is something I learned so much over, you know, the past year, year and a half. In speaking of your story speaking to me. I saw you posted on Instagram on your birthday, and I love this post. Um, you said, birthday reflections are always interesting. No, I'm not where I thought I was going to be at this point in my life. By society's standards, I'm sure I'm failing. But my standards for myself do not perfectly align with society's. And in so many ways, I am much more of a complete human than I ever thought I would be. Cheers to a major year of growth, authenticity, vulnerability, accountability, happiness, and breathing. Laura, I read that and I was like, you're speaking to me. Like, yeah, cheers to that major year of all of those things. And like, I just read that and I like stopped in my tracks. And I was like, like you said, I think we were meant to be speaking uh, right now because I just 
I could not have connected to that to that any more than I than I did, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And even it's so silly, even hearing somebody else say that to me. So hearing my words in your voice, um, I mean, I'm teared up right now because it's um it's it's hard and it's always a process, you know. And no, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, and perfect, frankly, is boring. Who wants it anyway? But um, you know, I really believe that here in life we are meant to be constantly changing and evolving and growing. And for a long time, I was very stagnant, and I think it's because I wasn't being vulnerable. And I really think that the universe sat me down and said, "We got to shake things up." You're not, you're not listening. So we're going to physically sit you down. So you have to listen. So you have to reevaluate. You can become more of the person that you are supposed to become because the path you're on right now, you're not, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it to where you're supposed to be. So, you know, sat me down so that I could reevaluate, figure things out and get back on a better path and a better journey, which is why, which you probably saw, but I was using the hashtag journey back to savage because I really feel like I'm coming back to um being a savage person which I know some people like say it's like a negative like term and some people are really all about how it's like a catchphrase now but for me it's just coming back to my roots of yes I'm a giver and I can still be that person but I'm going to be such a better giver if I can learn to accept help as well Man, that's the key. I love that you said that. Like, I think that's such the key that I never realized. And I'm guessing, you know, you you probably shared that, that you actually can be better at what we enjoy of helping others and being of service by accepting that same help and service from others. And like saying it out loud right now, it seems so obvious, but I feel like I'm rediscovering this epiphany right now is like, we can be so much better if we're actually willing to accept help. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. It's something I struggle with on the daily, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's hard, life is hard and you have to ask for help and not just ask for it, but you have to accept it. Cause it's like, here I am offering help. And if somebody rejected my help, I would think, well, why I'm offering it? Why would you reject it? So why do I want to do that to other people? Another person whose story really resonates with me is that of Rebecca Lassiter. We met almost a decade ago. She's a wife and a mother who started a rum distillery a couple of years ago with her husband, where they live in North Carolina. The journey wasn't always easy. When her mom offered to help with her two kids on a regular basis, Rebecca accepted that help. I'll let Rebecca explain more. Parents, my mother, God love her. She last year she was coming down to spend a week to ten days at a time with uh, me and my husband and our kids, staying in our house. I mean, almost every single month. So she was here a lot last year. She gave up a lot of her own time because she knew we were going through a really hard time with the business and both the kids being so young and, you know, so on and so forth. And she recognized that physically having another adult in our household, you know, for chunks of time would be very beneficial. And so she did that for us. Um, 
And I don't know, I, it's just one of those things. You can never repay your parents for all the stuff they've done, right? And it was just, she's, uh, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're definitely close and definitely not in the same way as I am with my sisters, obviously, but, but we're definitely, I feel like we're getting there. Um, I feel like, again, me having kids changed that dynamic, especially with me and my mom, um, of what our relationship is and what it looks like. Uh, and I think we're starting to kind of turn a corner and getting to a better place. I think the first couple of years we were just feeling each other out and she didn't want to be stepping on my toes and I didn't want to be hurting her feelings. And you know, it was just, so we were being very cagey with each other almost. And I think we're finally starting to come back around to a normal place of just being humans with each other. But, uh, it took some time. <laughs> What an amazing gift for her to give you, uh, you know, last year coming down to spend that much time to help you out with the kids and stuff. I mean, that's, that's oh, an amazing yeah. gift. And to her grandchildren, her grand, her granddaughters adore her. And I, I love seeing their relationship bloom too, because I, I just think it's so important that the girls have a relationship with my parents, even though they do live, you know, 700 miles away. I also relate a lot to Jennifer Dixon and her feeling uncomfortable asking for help. Asking for help always felt so unnatural to me, like not something you're supposed to do. Jennifer was laid off from her corporate job a few weeks after getting back from maternity leave. Her journey since then has opened her eyes to how accepting help from others is just as important as giving help to others. Jennifer explains it really well. I have always been the one that people came to for to to receive help. I've never and this actually came to full head, you know, right around the holidays actually this year. I even in that transition, like we still we had our savings account so we were still going to pay rent. We still like we managed, you know, we like the budget constricted a lot, but we still were not going to what's the, and this, this is a hundred percent where I was crying just like not even a month ago. Cause I felt like it was my ego, but like, that's just not something I've ever been comfortable with. I was the one that everybody came to for help. I had never asked for help. And when I finally got to that place where I had to ask for help, it was incredibly uncomfortable. It was incredibly, and all it was is I just needed to borrow a car that could handle three car seats because we, we, um, we helped out another family and, and helped a little baby over the holidays. And, and it had never dawned on me that I wouldn't be able to, I've always like, if I want a new car, I just went and got a new car and we haven't needed a new car since I took off from, from corporate America since I left it. But even though I've been gone now since 2015 and it was around the holidays of 2019, it was, that was the first time that it hit me that I, yeah, no, I just can't go get a new car. And even I'm a slow learner clearly. And that was a huge meltdown for me, Tim. Huge. I, I totally empathize with that. Like I'm the same way. I've always been one. I love to give help. I love to help others, but I've never been comfortable asking for help. It just, I'm trying to pinpoint like in words, it just never felt right. It felt like, no, you're supposed exactly. to be like the biggest thing I always think about is like after college, like six months out of graduation, I'm like, I'm moving out. And my parents were like, well, you know, you don't necessarily have to like, why? And I don't know if you remember that movie, Orange County. This is like some random 
movie comedy movie from like the early two no. thousands. <laughs> it was with uh, Colin Hanks and uh, was it Catherine O'Hara? But there was this one I'm line. I have movie to watch where, it now. Oh well, yeah, there might be better ones to spend your time on. But um, he was. He said um, <laughs> he was. He was moving. Uh, was he moving out after? Or no, he was going to go to college after high school. And you know, Catherine Harris playing this funny mom, and she's like, "Why do you have to go to college?" And he's like, "Cause that's what you do after high school." <laughs> and I, I always thought of this line because I thought, "Well, of course I'm moving out after college, mom and dad. Like that's what you do. You're an independent human being. You get. I've been with you for 22 <laughs> years. It's yeah. time to go." And you know, I look back at that now, and especially having children of my own, I'm like, "Well, no." I mean, first of all, it's, <laughs> I know, right? it's not so cut and dry. Like, you know, and I've actually like needed them now. So this past, well, this, what you're now it's 2020. Oh my gosh. But in 2019, you know, after quite a long marriage, my wife and I got amicably divorced and like our kids, we love them. We have a, a whole new family unit now and it's amazing. But like through that time, I did something I've never done since college. I went back home part of the time to live with my parents and that you said asking for help, you know, was so uncomfortable for you. I know what you mean. Like that simple idea of like, hey, mom, can I stay at your house, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday? And they're like, yeah, of course you can. Why would you even ask? But I'm like, are you sure? Like, yeah, yeah. Nope. A hundred percent. Why is that? And so that's exactly how. It, yeah, that's the that was the same thing I was thinking at Christmas because it ended up being my I have a, a neighbor who's also a can become one of my best friends and she has an SUV that she doesn't use and she's like of course you can use it and I'm like breaking down in tears just to borrow a car for this temporary situation and it's so uncomfortable I've never I've never had to do it and it was I don't I don't know I I've I've come I've chalked it up to it was my ego and I needed to to control that and I don't know what it is really, but that was how I rationalized it is I was like, I've always been that person that if somebody needed something here, take my car. If you need some, whatever, I, I've got it. And I've never been on the receiving end of it. And it was very uncomfortable because my ego had always been the, the bigger one. That's like, ha, oh, I can do this. I don't need anything. And it was, it was a big slice of humble pie. I don't like humble pie, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us do. And you know, it's like, you, when you ask that person for help, no matter who it is, they're always so willing. Of course, I'll help you. Oh, yeah. Whatever you need. And yet, oh, for sure. Yeah. And yet, the next time we're yet afraid again, it's maybe it is the yeah. ego. I wonder. Yep. Yeah, it was, and 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 again, and probably just the same thing with your with your parents. It's like because they know you've never asked for help, and and everybody, you know, in this network, we're communal beings, right? Like we weren't created to be alone, and we all want to feel supported and loved and needed. And if I am the only one that is doing the support, that robs the other people that are in my same network of their ability to. F- to feel like they're supporting me. And it's, it's a, it's a flow, right? It's a, it's a give and take. And so it was, it was hard to swallow, but it was also very beautiful because it just deepened the relationship. Cause nobody in my family had my, my older sister had a minivan, but she has three kids. And so it was like, ah. <laughs> but um, it, it was a beautiful thing to be, to be able to f- fill the, the, 
love and to fulfill that need in my friend who's always been there and willing to help me, but I just have never asked. And so it's, it's just taken our relationship even deeper because now it's this mutual, we both love, honor, respect, and need each other. And it's beautiful, but it's uncomfortable. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I love what you said about robbing others of the ability to feel like they're supporting you. I never thought about that. Like, I always thought that by my not asking for help, that I'm actually helping others. Like, you don't have to worry about helping me. Like, there's no burden on you. You don't have to expunge any uh, energy toward me. Like, it's better that way. But you rightfully point out that they now don't have the opportunity to help others like like I've been doing. So it's it's really interesting. Like, there's a cycle there that you you identified. And by not accepting help or even asking and then accepting help from others, you actually break the cycle. It was beautiful. It was painful, but it was beautiful. And and I wish I could take credit for it, but it was actually my friend that was like, you never asked for anything. Let me, let me help you, you know? And it was, it was beautiful. It was very uncomfortable, but it was still beautiful. And, you know, every time that we, we help, if we have to, to, to help with the baby or whatever, it's easy. I just like, Hey, can I have the car keys? And, um, it's, it's silly, right? Like I was that upset because I, it's not like I would go out and buy a bigger SUV just for helping out a child every now and then, but the, it was the real, the realization that I couldn't just if I wanted to. And, um, that's ego. That was ego. And then the, the ups, how upset I was when I had to ask for help was ego. And it was when I finally kind of came around to all of that and became okay with it. It was this awesome, just like weight and burden had been relieved. It's like, yeah, you know what? It's okay. And I, I have this network of support and let's, let's, let's support each other. And it, it's been awesome. There are so many other lessons from each of these three amazing women you've heard from today. You can hear the full conversations with each of them by subscribing to We're Only Human in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, rate and review us, and share this episode with a friend. Thanks.